Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Yes, we will, friends. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. Thank you for joining me on Praying for America some more thoughts about the vice presidential pick. Just really one thought, uh, uh, actually. We don't know who it's going to be. A lot of people have a lot of ideas and a lot of preferences. But I just want to share you one thought about, about the importance of that particular pick. Uh, then we also have the uh, President Trump's various legal battles. I've got some good news or good news perspective for you on that. A uh, very important case before the Supreme Court that I want to talk about and pray about. And uh, President Trump being off the ballot in certain states, I want to remind you of one of the key motives behind what's going on there and also give you a good news perspective about that. Great passage I have here uh, about government from the prophet Daniel. And uh, let's delve into the word of God as we always do to start off our conversation. We always appreciate your comments, questions, prayer intentions, whatever you want to put there in the comments we do pay attention to all of it, and we appreciate your, your participation in that way. Let us go into the Word of God. A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming down with the clouds of heaven. And he was presented before the Ancient of Days. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Let us pray. God and Father Almighty, the kingdoms of this world rise and fall. They are born and die. They come and go. They are here and then not here. But the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ, remains forever. He is the Lord of every nation. And we praise you that our founding fathers recognized that and built this nation upon that recognition and upon the awareness that the people, in order to govern themselves rightly, needed to know right from wrong. Bless us, Father, as we continue to proclaim the kingship of Jesus Christ amidst the process of electing our leaders. Lord, we need godly leaders in this country. And we get the public officials we deserve. The wisdom of your people or the foolishness of your people will determine whether our leaders will be wise or foolish. And so fill us with your spirit of wisdom. Fill us with that spirit that listens to the prophets like Daniel and all the others. Fill the voters with wisdom. We pray, we pray this earnestly now, 
Send the Holy Spirit, even as we speak, Lord God. Let voters start paying attention to the elections now, not, not think that the elections are in November. They are now. Now is the time when we have to get critically engaged if we are going to win these elections. And win them we must. Bless your people now, Lord. Not just with wisdom, but with a, with a spark of fervor, with a commitment to action and to immediate action. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's urgent, friends. You know, no matter how bad things are, we can turn this around, but we don't have an infinite amount of time to do so. This requires urgent action now. I've never heard so many people say, you know, this, uh, this, year's, this year's election is the pivotal moment as to whether this country can survive in the same form as which it was founded or not. This is the pivotal moment. Uh, the other side wants to accumulate all power, wants to make it impossible for us to elect anyone else than the Democrat Party. They, they want just to accumulate and concentrate all power in that party, and, that, and it has become an evil party. Why do you think they're trying so hard to keep even President Trump, even keep his name off the ballot? Now, they, they, this is not going to go anywhere legally, but the Supreme Court is going to intervene in the proper way here, and they're going to hear the arguments pretty soon. They're going to rule in the, the right way. But even if the other side thought that even just for a while they could pull this off, even in just a handful of places, you do know, don't you, the underlying motive here. It's not simply about President Trump's name being on the ballot. It's about the motivation of voters coming out to vote. So many voters are motivated to come out and vote in this election precisely because President Trump is on the ballot. So these folks on the left, they're looking at the down-ticket races too. They want to take over the House. They want to keep control of the Senate. You don't, and they want to take over the state legislatures. You don't think that they're reasoning that if Trump is not on the ballot, a lot of his supporters, who are obviously also going to be, be likely to vote the right way in those down-ticket races, you don't think that they think that they won't come out? Of course that's what they're thinking. And that's important to keep in mind. And that shows where their thinking is at and where our thinking needs to be at. It's not just about the issues and the arguments. I can't stress this enough. I'm going to be stressing this a lot between now and the election. It's not just about the issues, the arguments, and the candidates. There's another word we've got to throw in that mix. Now, you know what it, what it is. Those of you that listen to me regularly, put it in, the, put it in the, the comments. You know what it is. There's another word. Give you a hint. It begins with an M. It's not just the issues. It's not just the candidates. It's not just the arguments. It's what? The mechanics of the election. The mechanics. It's about getting the ballots. Getting the ballots. Chasing the ballots. Calling the first day of early voting in your state election day. That's election day, not November 5th. The first day of early voting is election day. And all the days after that, between then and November 5th. This is the mindset. Any kind of legal way to get people to vote early and to get those ballots and even ballot harvesting where it's legal. We're not saying it's the preferred way or the way we always want to have. It's the way that's working now to either win or lose elections. That's the point. So the bank your vote effort over at the RNC, I'm not 
entering into the merits of you know people's complaints about the RNC. I'm just saying the idea of bank your vote, get the votes in early, get the ballots in early, absolutely essential that we overwhelm with sheer numbers the voting this year. That, that that's okay. So I just wanted to bring you that angle there of the idea about pres- keeping President Trump off the ballots. Not just about him. It's about the down ticket races. Keep that in mind. The motivation of getting voters out. Okay. His legal issues, you know, I've been listening to some of his close advisors and, and key commentators. You know, he things are looking pretty good to, to be able to say, you know, these all these 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 four major um indictments on what is it, 91 or so counts and whatnot, you know, these trials. And and we told you this from the very beginning of the process, of course, and a lot of other commentators familiar with all this have said the same thing, that, you know, the legal system provides for a lot of motions and counter motions. Attorneys have a lot of different levers they can pull to delay trials, to delay various other proceedings. That's why, that's why you know, a case is introduced in court. And years go by, years go by before you hear anything about it or it gets resolved. It's because, part of it is because of the back and forth, which is built into our system in order to protect everybody's rights. And certainly, especially with these Trump uh, uh, trials, where they're so blatantly timed to constitute election interference. I mean, why, why are these prosecutors allowing years to go by? I'm talking about things that happened Three and a year, three and four years ago, it's like, oh yeah, you had to wait till now, till election day, and look at the one trial that was scheduled for the day before Super Tuesday. It looks like that's going to be delayed. But that's the point I'm making. There's a lot of maneuvers in the works right now. We don't have time to go into all the details of this, but you've heard a lot of the details. But the point I'm making is that it looks pretty good that you know a lot of these trials are going to be put off in 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 many cases to the point that it'll be beyond the the election anyway. Uh, the American people don't like to have wherever they stand politically. And we've got to emphasize this talking point when we're speaking with our fellow citizens. The American people don't like to have their electoral choice stolen from them by, by, by prosecutors, grand juries, judges, or courts. So things are looking good in terms of uh, all these maneuvers that <clears throat> the Trump team is making to put off these, um, um, these trials. And you know, a lot of people say, myself included, let's just say, thinking theoretically, okay, the other side, they have these 91 counts because they want to get just one conviction. They want to be able to call President Trump a convicted uh, criminal, just one conviction out of the 91. What are the chances of them actually getting one? Well, given the the, the Democrat bias of these jurisdictions that they're putting these trials in, like New York City and and uh, Washington, D.C., you know, the, the Democrat majorities are are intense. Yeah, there's a chance. But you've also got the, the, the wisdom of the voters, and so many of whom are saying, you know what, it, at this point it doesn't matter, because we know it's crap anyway. It's a guard. Anything that would be a conviction from these Democrat-inspired Biden-inspired, Democrat-controlled, corrupt, election-interfering, dishonest 
prosecutors and, 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 and others involved in this process, any kind of conviction coming out of that kind of a process isn't worth the paper it's written on. It's meaningless, brothers and sisters. Just like the, just like the indictments themselves are meaningless. You look at Alan Dershowitz. I hope you read the book, Get Trump. I recommend various books on these programs. Not a whole long list. I recommend a few, a handful of books. Get Trump is one of them. Alan Dershowitz, get that book. Because you're going to understand. This is from a man who's, first of all, one of the top legal experts in the country, as you, I think you know, and he's not a Trump supporter. But he's saying what's happening to President Trump is not only blatantly unconstitutional and a twisting of the law beyond all recognition in very inappropriate ways, but is also constituting election interference and is unprecedented. He, he says not only is this unconstitutional, it's unprecedented. Never in all his decades of experience has he or anybody else seen the law twisted in this way and utilized to interfere in an election. We are in uncharted waters here. I mean, this is so many things that are happening that are so unprecedented and so outrageous. And it started with the Mar-a-Lago raid, you know, back on a, a, a couple of summers ago, the Mar-a-Lago raid on President Trump's home. That's when this, this, this weaponization of government really entered its extreme phase. We're in a police state. That's one of the other resources, as you know, that I keep recommending. I know I sound like a broken record, but policestatefilm.net. Friends, if you haven't seen that yet, we honored Mark Houck recently on the day of the March for Life at our national prayer service. He's in that film. His home was raided by the FBI. Get the film. Watch the film. Policestatefilm.net. Let your fellow fellow voters watch it. This is going to have to. This is a key tool to inform them about what we're voting for in this election. Do we want to be a police state or not? That's really one of the questions on the ballot. All right. Was a key. Um, before I get to this key Supreme Court case that's being heard, let me get to that last. Some more thoughts on the vice president. First of all, thank you all for the input that you gave, the thoughts that you shared, as I asked you to do, about who uh, you think might be the VP pick. Uh, and I just want to say something about, about this. It's a perspective that, again, I've heard a number of commentators um, uh, make this point. You, you don't, President Trump, first of all, has so much support that the question, and I'm not, I'm not speaking with any inside knowledge from his team or where these deliberations are going on right now, but it seems to me and to many others that his support is so strong that the role of a VP candidate in terms of regional balance, in other words, getting you, maybe winning you a state, a, a, a critical swing state because the VP is from that state or is popular in that state, could bring to the ticket, probably is less crucial in this choice that President Trump is making this year than it might ordinarily be, simply because he's going in with such a strong advantage you know, we did a national poll. We commissioned a national poll. You'll be hearing more about with the McLaughlin group. Jim McLaughlin has been on this program. He's, he's uh, one of President Trump's uh, pollsters. And we did a survey. And again, it showed President Trump's dominance in the race, both uh, primary and general. But it's like when your position is that strong already, 
you don't as much need the VP to bring you a key state. So, and 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 a VP cannot does not necessarily win you an election. But here's the point: a VP pick can lose you an election. Now, here's what we have to be careful about. What are the you know, a lot of times when we think, well, who should be the VP? You know, we think of the, the strengths, we think of the strengths. We have to think just as much of the vulner, vulnerabilities. The last thing we want and the thing we have to absolutely avoid, obviously, is having a VP who pulls down the ticket. And here's what we have to consider. You know as well as I, the barrage and the intensity of attacks being brought against President Trump. It have been from the beginning. The other side has absolutely gone berserk. They will try anything they can to stop this man from becoming president. I mean, even if he's elected, and I'm confident he will be in November 5th, that's not the end of the battle. Remember what happened last time. Pressuring the, the electors not to vote for him, take a stand of conscience. Remember Martin Sheen and the other celebrities getting on TV and telling the electors, no, don't, don't vote for Trump. We can't have Trump. There will be so many things like that, that even in the light of a Trump victory after the 5th of November, let's say we overwhelm the number of votes. Sure, the other side is going to cheat, but, but there's a margin of cheating. There's a margin of fraud that you can overwhelm just by sheer numbers. And so let's say, hey, listen, the margin is so great that they, you know, they couldn't overcome it by their, their fraudulent activity. And so, oh, lo and behold, he's reelected. President Trump. Oh, boy. Then the battle goes into higher gear. From November 5th to January 20th, Inauguration Day, the shenanigans, the pressure tactics, the brand new... By the way, this is why the other side... Dick Morris was talking about this the other day. I listen to him all the time. What the other side is talking about, okay, in terms of... In terms of... Oh, well, President Trump... They have these... I talked to you the other night about how Trump derangement syndrome morphs. Right, and now it's morphing into oh well, let's take legal action to to curtail the ability of the president under the exceptions to the Posse Comitatus Act that says that the military can't be used uh, uh, in civilian matters, civilian law enforcement. But there's an exception to that if there's insurrection activity or the president can judge that something is severe enough that he can call in the military to deal with domestic issues. The other side is saying, oh, well, we're so afraid that President Trump is going to use military force to keep himself uh, or to get himself into uh, power that we have got to limit the authority of the president in a preemptive way. Let it be necess necessary to get the OK of Congress or something like that. Listen, all of this that the other side is fantasizing about. It's exactly what they're planning to do. You don't think that if President Trump gets elected, or even if they try to interfere with the election somehow, in, in terms of actually shutting it down, oh, we can't have people go out like they tried to do with the pandemic last time. Oh, we can't go out, can't have people go out and vote. There's public unrest. And this is why the other side, they, they don't care about riots. Oh, yeah, let's have as many riots as possible so that we can have the 
military come in and say our cities are unsafe. Oh, sorry, folks. Election day is canceled. All that kind of garbage. You don't put anything past them. But the point is that this don't don't put it past them to try to use military force to keep themselves in power. What the other side fantasizes and boneheadedly, wrongly asserts that President Trump might do is exactly the garbage, the corrupt stuff that they're that they would that they're planning to do, and that they would plan to. Do. Don't put it past them. Okay. The vice president, let me go back to that's the point I'm making about the vice president. Given the barrage of efforts, legal and illegal, peaceful and violent, that are being used and will be used to keep President Trump out of office, imagine the pressure that will be brought against whoever is his vice presidential pick the other side knowing full well that that can be the hook to pull down the ticket and keep President Trump out of office. Notice well what I'm saying. We're all fighting for President Trump, speaking up for him, pointing out how ridiculous these indictments are, how meaningless an ultimate conviction would be. Believe me, you don't give it a second thought. It's ridiculous. And everything we're doing to come alongside him, we've got to be ready to come alongside and defend the VP pick, but the best way of defending President Trump against a possible pull-down by a weak VP pick is making sure that we don't have a weak pick but a strong one and making sure that the vulnerabilities that there might be are fully, fully examined ahead of time. And, and, and obviously that's going on right now. So I want to pray with you for that, too. On this program, we pray over the news. We've got to pray for the wisdom right now of the people who are finalizing this decision about the VP pick. Of course, there's different things going around. Vice President Trump's statement, oh, I know who it's going to be. But then, you know, other statements saying, well, it's among a few, a few key people, and maybe the two, three, four, five, excuse me, five possibilities. We don't know. We don't have that inf inside information. But the point here is, is valid enough that where is the particular vulnerability? Where's the particular area that the VP pick has to be extremely strong on? Dealing with the media. Dealing with the media. They've got to be able to go. This has got to be a person who's already vetted. We can't go in there guessing. That, that's, the, that's the point I'm making is, especially in terms of vulnerability with the media, you've got to have somebody who's who's as tough as can be, and you think, for example, people who have these qualities, I'm not saying they're going to be the pick. I'm not even recommending one way or the other, but somebody like Carrie Lake, many people support that idea, or, or Sarah Huckabee Sanders, governor of Arkansas. They know how to deal with the press, right? Sarah was there in the press room. Carrie was in the media herself. She knew you've seen her take down, you know, hostile reporters like one, two, three. She's amazing. So that's, that's what I'm saying is that's the kind of strength you need, not just the idea of being strong with the media, but of us knowing for sure that this person is strong with the media. We can't go in there guessing and hoping. Too much of a risk. Because remember, they, they, the other side, having failed to pull down President Trump directly, 
is going to try to pull him down indirectly through some kind of vulnerability in the VP, and boom, they pull down the ticket, turn all people to the ticket itself. Now, of course, it's hard to take the Trump base and turn them away, but, you know, it's all the rest of the people that we, I mean, we need, we need independents, we need Democrats, we need people that are going to vote for President Trump because they realize the country is going to hell and that he's the one who can best turn it around. So the, you see what I'm saying here? So important that we talk about this. I and mean, we can't say, oh, I want, so I want so-and-so to be the VP because I like that person. This is the last thing we have to worry about is whether we like them or not. We've got to consider very intelligently what are the vulnerabilities going to be that could possibly pull the ticket down? And we can't hope that they're going to be strong because, oh, they did a good job in this and that sphere and this. How do they do when they're in front of the cameras and the microphone? How do they do? And because, you know, in the world of politics today, you know, one little sound bite that somebody picks up on a, on a, on a cell phone and sends up to YouTube that they can destroy a, a candidate. We got to be so smart here, so thorough. And so absolutely unwavering in saying, listen, we don't want 90%. We need 100% certainty that this is a person, you know, another person obviously strong with the media, Tucker Carlson, with who many people talk about as, hey, this would be a great VP. We got to have somebody, we have to have a bold choice, but it's got to be a bold choice on not just on, oh, I like them about this, or I like them on that, or I like them on this other thing. Put liking aside. We got to have the right person for the job strong enough to deal with this. Okay, let me go one more point, and we're going to pray very much about all of this stuff, but the VP uh, decision too, especially. Chevron deference. You know what that means? There's a Supreme Court case right now that's considering something that is actually a relatively technically complex idea, but let me simplify it for you. The Chevron doctrine, the Supreme Court is reevaluating what is called the Chevron Doctrine. And to simplify it, it's basically this. Should courts, should judges defer to experts in the federal agencies about public policy matters? Or rather, we should say, I mean, obviously we put experts in place in these agencies because of their expertise. But if there's a dispute that arises, if there's a battle that arises, a court challenge, should judges automatically say, well, you know, the head of that agency over there, the Environmental Protection Agency or Health and Human Services, you know, we put those doctors in there, or we put those environmental experts in there. They know their field. So we as judges, we're not going to contradict their decision or their interpretation of policy and law we won't substitute our judgment. And, and, you know, look, it's a bad idea. The Chevron deference means that, that courts, you know, if the head of an agency says, you know, this is what the policy should be, you know, the court is unwilling to go against that, even if there's some kind of legal challenge or constitutional justification for going against it. Deference given to these agencies. Now, why is deference given to these agencies a bad idea? Well, because it just feeds into the deep state. You know, something that Vivek Ramaswamy said very well, President Trump says it too, in uh, using other words, are the folks that we elect to run the government actually the ones running the government? 
Or are they these, these faceless, nameless, well, you know a few names of the secretaries of these different agencies, but are they faceless, nameless bureaucrats? Unelected, unaccountable, and sometimes, you know, you go and you get to the lower levels anyway of their positions uh, against the president's agenda. You can't have people working. And this is one of the things President Trump is intent on doing. Clean clean house. Get them out of there. If somebody is a federal bureaucrat, but they're not implementing the agenda of the duly elected president of the United States that the voters want because they want his or her policies, well then, for goodness sake, out with you. And... Chevron deference kind of ties into the same notion here that, okay, well, like, for example, we had a case, we had, we were involved in a court case, me and my ministry, some years ago, over our health insurance plans here at our ministry, and many ministries were involved in the same battle, where the Department of HHS was saying that certain abortion-inducing drugs were covered under a law that said you have to include these in your health insurance policy. Now notice it was not a it was not Congress that decided that this should be done. It was the agency. Congress had given authority to the agency to make a list of the kind of drugs and medications that we would have to cover. Well, if you start talking about abortion, a lot of people are going to have a objection to that. Because you can't evaluate an abortion-inducing drug the way you evaluate any other drug because the key difference about it is that it ends a human life. So we objected. We went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and ultimately the election of President Trump is what protected us from from that kind of a mandate. But this this is the point. It's like, if there's a court decision about that, can you go against the judgment of experts in these agencies? Of course you can, because there may be constitutional reasons. To get rid of Chevron deference, it doesn't mean that we're saying that the judge has more expertise about the environment or about health or about medicine than the agency experts. That's why we put the agency experts in the agencies and the judges on the courts. But the judges are on the courts because they have constitutional expertise. And just because a person in the agency has expertise over their their subject matter doesn't mean that they're acting constitutionally since when does expertise about the environment give you a, a, a constitutional rationale to do what you're doing? So I hope that this case, and let's pray for this too, gets rid of this Chevron doctrine. Let's let's change this and, you know, if the, let the courts do their job. If they judge that there's been a violation of rights under the Constitution, let the judge's decision prevail, not some bureaucrats and the because at least the judges, we have at least indirect control uh, uh, over who's on the courts, uh, unlike some of these appointments. Okay, let's. we have a lot to pray about. Let's turn to the Lord. So, Father, we face this. Give wisdom to the justices. Lord, we can pray for wisdom for the justices for so many things. But allow them in this decision, Lord, about Chevron to place back in the hands of the judges the proper constitutional authority and decision-making that they, that they are, are supposed to do. Lord, we take the power away, or at least limit the power of these unelected federal bureaucrats 
Lord, we pray for a good outcome in that case. Lord, we know the legal battles taking place around President Trump. God bless his legal team. Send the Holy Spirit upon the legal team, Lord, to continue to help them make the maneuvers, make the requests, work the process the way they know how to work it to legally postpone these various trials that have been set for the dates that they've been set for because of election interference for no other reason. And it's despicable. It's distasteful. It's, it's, it's against our American spirit, Lord. The courts would try to take away our right to decide who our nominee will be. Lord, bless these efforts of the Trump team and get these trials off of the electoral landscape, off of the electoral calendar. Because, Lord, they want President Trump sitting in a courtroom rather than campaigning out on the trail. Lord, we want him out at the rallies. We want him out among the people. We want him out making speeches. We want him out campaigning and in motorcades and in parades. And, Lord God, rallying the people of America to make America great again. Not locked up in some kind of courtroom day after day after day after day to address nonsensical and unconstitutional distortions of the law. And Lord, we pray for this important decision being hammered out right now as we speak among some very smart people in our country, but nevertheless a challenging decision for anybody to have to make as to who will be the VP on the Republican ticket. Lord God, we don't know who it will be. You do. But what we ask right now is that there be so much wisdom given to everyone who has any voice in this process whatsoever that they will see the vulnerabilities, that they will, they will put all personal preferences and loyalties aside and make this decision based on someone who is going to never, never be a drag on the ticket. Lord God, may, the, may any vulnerability that such a man or woman might have be brought to light in time to make the right decision here. Lord, there are so many factors. There is so much information. It requires so much wisdom. But we're praying for that wisdom now. Ask for wisdom, your word tells us. Ask for wisdom. It will be given to you. And so we ask for wisdom, Lord, on behalf of all those involved in making the decision as to who will be the VP on this ticket. Lord, we confidently come to you today lifting up the intentions of everyone who's watching. And now we summarize all our prayers and praises in offering the prayer Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless America. God bless President Trump. God bless you. Thank you, friends. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. You're going to find exactly what resonates with your mind and heart. If you love America, if you love pro-life, if you love the values 
and the and the teachings of the gospel at Fr Frank Pavone. You're going to love what we what we talk about there. We want to hear from you and join us again tomorrow here on Praying for America. God bless. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that. And today, I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion. And we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.